Let's face it, relationships can be a source of great frustration. People do and say things that trigger intense reactions within us, and all too often, because we don't know how to handle those feelings, we react in ways that make it worse. You've been there, and so have I. One of the skills we need to master is how to stay centered when we're experiencing all of that inner turbulence. And that is what today's episode is all about. Let's get to it. Welcome to the Attracting Lasting Love podcast presented by CoachingWithRoy.com. You found the place where single adults come for mindful wisdom and insight into how to attract and create healthy, lasting, conscious relationships. And now, here's your host, the owner of CoachingWithRoy.com, number one best-selling author, certified relationship coach, and TV analyst, Roy Biancalana. Well, hello again, and welcome to another edition of the Attracting Lasting Love podcast. My name is Roy Biancalana. I am your host, and I have a special treat for you today. I am bringing to you a talk, one of my favorite talks given by my favorite spiritual teacher, Michael Singer. I think I've done this a time or two before on the podcast when I'm sort of giving myself a week off, but still wanting to bring you some very mindful and conscious perspectives on life, love, and the pursuit of intimacy. And so that's what we're doing today is I'm bringing you a message from Michael Singer. You know I've spoken of him many times before. He wrote what I consider to be the best spiritual and personal growth book ever written. It's called The Untethered Soul. If you've never read it, boy, you need to put that on the top of your list. But he also teaches regularly in his facility just outside of Gainesville. And I get his recordings of his teachings And today I want to share with you one of my favorites because, you know, one of my favorite things about Michael Singer is that he's a different kind of spiritual teacher. I I kind of want to mold myself after him in the sense that he doesn't get into a lot of mystical, way out there spiritual, la-la land type of things. He talks about real issues that real people face in their everyday lives. And he gets down in the dirt and he brings mindful, conscious perspectives to help us live, you know, in the normal everyday experiences of life. So he's very practical. And he speaks from his own experience. And that's what you're going to hear in today's message. Because basically, what he's going to teach you is, he's going to teach you how to handle when you're all pissed off. (laughs) He's basically going to say that, you know, you live in this world and it's a chaotic world and it is going to trigger you. People are going to do things. Things are going to happen. You're going to get upset. You're going to get triggered. You're going to feel reactive. It's just going to happen. It's just what happens to all of us. 
you know, he even mentions driving in a car. Somebody's in the left lane going slow and you, you just want to yell at them, right? Is it, we all experience these reactive moments. But what he's going to share is how to handle them in a way that you don't make it worse or how to handle them in a way to stay centered and not get yourself so upset and maybe not say something that you regret or do something that comes back to bite you, right? So he's talking about this down in the dirt experience of what do you do when you're triggered? What do you do when you get all that inner turbulence, where you get all stirred up on the inside? And we all know the way most of us deal with it. We get reactive and we blurt something out and we get defensive and we yell back, we strike back, we retaliate, whatever it might be. We all know that. And so what he's teaching is if there are moments when you would rather not make it worse, you know, if there's moments when you would rather stay centered and not get taken over by all these reactive feelings, this is how you do it. Okay? So I think you're really going to enjoy this. It's about a 45-minute talk that he gives, and um, I think it's going to serve you. And I, I, I just look forward maybe to hearing from some of you as to how it lands on you and what happens when you practice it and put it into, into play. Um, so I'm just excited for you to hear something that over the years has really touched me and something that's really spoken to me and something that I'm still working on. I don't, I'm not going to sit here and tell you I've mastered what he's talking about, but I'm still working on it. And I invite you to join me in the effort because we're all too familiar of how we react to things and then make it worse. You know, yeah, something happens in a relationship, something triggers you and we can't handle it. And so we blow up somebody's phone or we break up with someone, you know, because we're so upset and perhaps we shoot ourselves in the foot by doing that. And very often it's because we don't know any other way of how to handle our upset and our reactivity. And our anger, our frustration, our annoyance. And so that's what you're going to learn about in this message today. And then next week, we'll get back to, I guess, what I would call our regularly scheduled programming. So let me tell you what's coming up the week after today's podcast. I'm doing a series that I am titling, Making Sense of Life's Contradictions. Kind of one of the things that you are going to uh, learn, and maybe that's not even the right way to say it, you know that there are lots of contradictions in life. There are different ideas that, that seem to be oppositional. And we find a challenge in, in how to balance ourselves in these things. So, for example, remember a couple weeks ago, when I was talking in the last series about emotional availability, I said it was having the balance between openness 
and boundaries, right? To be really emotionally available, if you're just open and vulnerable and have no boundaries, you get taken advantage of, you get in dysfunctional dynamics. But also, to have lots of boundaries but no openness, you end up being alone because nobody can get into your heart because it's so guarded. So to be really emotionally available, which is the key to attracting a healthy relationship, you have to find the balance between these two sort of contradictory things, openness and boundaries. And so that got me thinking, what other things are like that in our lives? What other things appear to be contradictory But that if we want to live effective, meaningful lives, we need to find the balance between them. And so I sat down and started thinking about these contradictory things where both of them are true, but they seem difficult to assimilate with one another, like openness and boundaries. They're both true. But man, how do you, how do you put those together? How do you? How do you get a balance there? And I came up with six contradictions that I know that you face all of these. You feel all of these. You experience all of them. And I simply want to give you some ideas to think about on how to take two things that are true but seem contradictory. So in part one, I'm going to talk about the issue of acceptance versus action. Now, not to go too deeply into it, but we all know in spirituality, right? We, we need to accept reality as it is. We need to be with what is. But very often, when we think about accepting something that's occurring in our lives and not resisting it and being angry about it and not shooting ourselves, oh, this shouldn't happen, that shouldn't happen. No, it's just, this is, this is reality. This is what it is. Accept it. That can sound like it can lead to complacency, but it doesn't, and we can't live complacent lives. So how do we accept our reality and yet take action? Do you feel that? That's a major issue in life, especially if you're on a mindful path. You will always feel the challenge between taking, accepting something as it is and then, but does, what do I do? Do I do nothing? Do I just stay in this bad relationship? Do I stay in a job that I don't la- like? I mean, right? So week one is going to be talking about balancing acceptance and action. Week two, we're going to talk about how to balance feeling and thinking, right? Most of us are more inclined to do one or the other. Like we make decisions based upon our feelings, our emotions, our gut instincts. Others of us are much more rational. We think things through. And is one more important than the other? No. But if you do only one and you neglect the other, you're screwed, right? So to live the most effective life, We have to find a balance, especially in our decision-making, between feelings and thinking. Okay, so that's going to be a really important conversation. Week three 
is all about balancing compassion with responsibility. Those two things seem contradictory. If I'm compassionate, oh, I understand, oh, it's difficult, you know, I I have empathy, I have real feelings of connection and I understand your situation versus responsibility meaning like do something about your life. Like take responsibility for how it got the way it was. So on the one hand, you've got this warm, fuzzy, I want to give you a hug and give compassion. But then you have this contradictory thing where you want to kick somebody in the ass. Like do something, you know, make a new commitment, go in a new direction, make a change. So is one more important than the other? Of course not. They're both important. The issue is how do you live a life that where you balance compassion and responsibility towards yourself, but also toward your children, towards your friends, towards siblings, coworkers, intimate partners? Okay? The fourth one is this issue between being judging and discerning. Right? Nobody wants to be judgmental, right? Nobody wants to be judging. But what does that mean? Do you just never have an opinion? Do you never think something isn't wise? So there is something called discernment that's not judging. But you you see that they can be thought of as sort of contradictory. So where do we find the balance between being a judgmental person and being discerning and wise. Okay. Then in week five, we're going to talk about selfishness versus unselfishness, right? I mean, now nobody really ever champions selfishness, but you know, you you won't live very long if you don't recognize that sometimes you need to be selfish. I call it sacred selfishness. You need to be thinking about, okay, what is it that I want? Because if, if, you, if you're totally unselfish, you can get taken advantage of. You can attract narcissists. You can get run over, right? And, and your needs never get met. What you want never matters. So to, to really be effective and happy in a relationship You have to have access to your selfishness and your unselfishness, and you need to find the balance between those two contradictory things. Make sense? And then last, part six, we are going to talk about the masculine and feminine. Those are contradictory energies. We all have both of them, okay? But where do we find the balance? Should we find the balance? This is the only one where I'm going to tell you, you don't want balance. You want to be identifying what is your primary energy. And if you want to retract a healthy relationship, you need to learn how to be unbalanced. So if you're feminine, how do you become more feminine and lay down your masculine? Because when you are fully in your feminine, you attract masculine beings. And if you are a masculine person, it's not how to become more of a feminine masculine person. No, it's what does it mean to become more masculine? 
because when you are in your divine masculine, that's what's attractive to the feminine. So that's the last part of the series. When we, we, we have these contradictory energies because they are very opposite, but that's the one episode where the message will not be about how to balance it, but how to be more extreme in your primary energy. So I hope that teases you a little bit about what's to come. I hope that intrigues you because all of that starts next week. Again, the series is called Making Sense of Life's Contradictions. Okay, now let's get back to Michael Singer talking about how to stay centered in a chaotic world. When one is not comfortable within themselves, the most basic urge or tendency is to do something about it. I would venture to say there will never come a time when it's not like that for anybody. It's natural. You're not okay. You try to make it better. You try to do something about it. So that's never the question as to whether you're going to try and protect yourself, whether you're going to try to make it more comfortable, whether you're going to try to get things in a more reasonable, comfortable way. So we don't have to discuss that. You're going to do that. Everyone does that. Everyone has always done that. The question is how. That's the question. And have you ever really stopped to look at how you're doing that? That's what spirituality is. Is stopping to look at how you're doing that. I believe in the end, there don't even need to be a teaching of how to do it. I do believe at the bottom of my being that if people stopped and looked at how they're going about trying to make it better inside, they would be shocked at what they saw. But we don't do that, which is really funny. We don't look at it. I swear, it's very much like getting in a car and not knowing how to drive and never having a discussion with anyone how to drive. You just get in this car and you put your foot on a pedal and it starts going. And then something looks like it's coming at you and you freak. And you just turn away from it. Not how much do you turn, not where are you going. It's just sort of like I'm freaking out and this road isn't staying straight and what should I do? And you're just reacting to every single thing that comes in from outside. Well, you're not going to get anywhere, and driving is not going to be a comfortable experience. You won't enjoy any of it. It's going to be a terrible experience for you and everybody on the road with you. That is what it is like for a normal human being inside. I didn't even know there was such a thing as driving lessons. I'm just in here freaking out. I thought it was just a matter of how do you kind of not freak out at this moment and make it a little bit nicer so that it isn't as scary. If you do that, you won't get any worse. So spirituality is just stopping for a moment and you look. And the first thing you need to be willing to look at is that I'm not okay. Not freak out. Just notice. Hmm. (laughs) Not doing so good in here. If you can't handle that moment where you notice this is not doing so well in here, then you can't do anything about it. If you can't stop for a moment and notice that you're in a car and there's pedals and a steering wheel, and all you notice is that things are going on out there and you're freaking out, then all you're going to do is react 
to every single thing that comes and causes you to get disturbed and to have issues. And so nothing's going to change. And that's how most people live their lives. There's whatever comes at them, they just react and try to be a little bit okay. There's a much better way to do it. The first thing it requires, and we can talk about how to do that for a moment, is you need to be able to remain centered, conscious, clear, call it whatever you want. Centered is a good word. What does centered mean? I'm not scattered all over the place because something happened. What does that mean? Really, we use the word centered, conscious, clear. It really means something very simple. It means I was driving along doing somewhat okay, relatively okay, and all of a sudden somebody cut me off in front of me. Not enough that I had to really hit them or anything like that, but just they cut off in front of me. Am I still here where I was a moment ago enough to notice that somebody cut me off and that I got scared, that there was this reactiveness that happened inside of me and that there was this tendency to jam on the brakes, to beep the horn, to swerve the car, whatever it was. There's this moment in which the event took place It came in through your senses. You were relatively stable. Then it came in, and then there was all this reactive energy that happened inside. And could you remain conscious, centered, clear when that happened? Or did it take over the entire experience, and you just reacted to, in a sense, the lowest part of your being? That's the lowest part of your being. Fear, anxiety, reactiveness, panic. Right? There's nothing ever came out of panic. Nobody did well in panic. It's like sort of like if you're teaching your kid to play baseball and they get scared when the ball bounces in front of them. If they close their eyes, turn their head away, they will never, ever, ever play ball and they'll probably get conked in the head. The ball doesn't know that I don't want to play. The ball doesn't know that. That's something you're doing as a form of reactiveness. But it's not helping the situation. It's the same thing when you go to drive that car or anything else in life. You're in there. You're going to be in there. It's a question of are you conscious and aware or are you freaked out and reacting? So that's what it means to remain centered, not freaked out and reacting. But here comes the subtleness. If the event takes place outside, somebody cuts you off, it's not your fault that the reaction that happens inside is freaky. I'm not going to say to you, you're wrong, you're bad, you lose. Because it is what happens, isn't it? It happens instantaneously based on the current state of your psyche. It just takes place. If the world unfolds a certain way and you have certain patterns inside your psychological being, those things outside are going to hit those patterns and it's going to react inside that way. You shouldn't feel that your fault is not wrong. It has nothing to do with anything. The question of spirituality is, can you remain centered, clear, above it when that takes place can you notice this person cut me off and then my heart started beating really fast and my mind started going crazy but i'm still here i don't know how to say it to you all i can say is hi you still there and if you say yes then you are if you don't notice that i was there waving at you because you're too panicking then you're not there that is spirituality and that's your work your work when it's said and done is to always be there Why? For the same reason that if you get into a car and you're driving, I expect you to be there. I really don't want you on the road if you're not aware that the road is curving, that people are driving, that lights are changing. Do you want to drive on the road with those people? They're like non-conscious people. They're lost in the reactiveness that's happening inside. There is a state in which 
Yes, events happen outside. Yes, they do. And yes, reactions happen inside. Yes, they do. The question is, what is you, the indwelling being, you, the consciousness, the awareness of being, what happens to you when that happens? In spirituality, the answer is very straightforward. Nothing. What? Nothing happens to me. I'm sitting here looking at her. She gets up, goes sits over there. What happens to me when I see her get up and sit over there? She gets up and leaves. She raises her hand and interrupts me. Various things can happen, can't they? What happens to me who's in here looking out when she does that? The answer should be nothing. It's okay that, you know, maybe your mind starts, oh, I should do it now, what did I do? Whatever it does. But what happened to me? Nothing. I'm here. I don't have to react to that. I don't have to participate in the craziness that can go on inside the psyche because of the event that took place outside. That is what is meant by the word centered. That is what is meant by the word clear. And as crazy as it sounds, that is witness consciousness. That is mindfulness. We throw these words around, but who really understands what they mean? They're very simple. That's what it means to be established within the self. Ooh, that sounded really high. It's not high. It just means you didn't freak out because your mind freaked out. You didn't freak out because your heart started doing something weird. You are the indwelling being. You are conscious. You're always there. You don't have to do anything to be there. You are there. The problem is when these changes happen inside due to the events outside, you permit yourself to get so sucked into them that you might as well not be there. There's no one there. You're freaking out. Have you ever seen anybody freak out? Have you ever seen anybody just totally freak out? (laughs) Right? Just freak out. Hey, hey, it's just a mouse. It's cool. Really, it's only two inches long. Please don't jump on the chair. Have you ever seen yourself freak out? And how often did it help? How about never? There's never a single time that you freaked out that anything you did was the highest thing you could do. Here, if I'm driving and somebody cuts me off and I panic, I just panic and I start reacting to my panic, how well will I drive? You're always better off being there. But that's a silly thing to say. We all know that. Am I better off when I'm driving at 80 miles an hour with my eyes open or my eyes closed? (laughs) You are better off being there. That's a very Zen term, being there. Now you know what that means. That's all it means. Isn't that neat? It just means being there. Not being there. It's not enlightened. It's just being there. So your first step on your spiritual journey, if you really want to grow and it is the essence of personal growth and spiritual growth, is you need to find a way to at least be there so that you have some decision points and some choice about what's going on. So those are your practices. You just learn to be there. So coming back to what we're talking about, the world unfolds, it comes in, and a shift takes place inside. You have to reach the point that that's okay with you. Now I've I've now started where I usually end my talks. I'm telling you, that's what spirituality is. You're not going to stop the world. When we talked a moment ago, we said, okay, you're going to want to be okay. You're going to try. The question is not whether you're going to want to be okay. The question is not whether you're going to try and do better. The question is not whether things are going to happen outside. The question is, are you still there to decide what you're going to do about it? Or does it get decided as a reaction? As just a non-conscious, eyes closed, frailing of your hands? (laughs) Because that's not going to do you any good. So what if you were conscious enough? What you would see is that when an event takes place, all events, 
take place outside. They come in and they drop into your psyche. It's very much like a rock that gets thrown into a still pond of water. When that rock hits that water, ripples are going to happen, aren't they? The water is going to respond to what got dropped into it in accordance to the size of the rock, in accordance to the angle, in accordance to the state of the water before the rock fell, right? It's physics. The world is like the rock. It comes in through your senses and drops into what we call your psyche. You are to look at your psyche as a pond of water. It's fluid. It's there. It's your mind. It's your thoughts. It's your emotions. It's the flow of your chi, of your energy. There's just this field of water. It's not water, obviously, but a field of energy inside. And when the world comes in and drops into it, it causes ripples. Have you noticed that it causes ripples? It causes thoughts to manifest. That's what ripples are. The energy manifests as thoughts. So your thoughts are, why did he say that? I don't know why he said it. My God, I didn't do anything. Well, I guess somebody said something that dropped into the lake of your psyche. Or it causes emotions, doesn't it? What are emotions? They're easy. They're what happens when the rock falls into the heart area. It causes the vibrations of that pond. It falls into the mind area. It causes the vibration of that pond. And the ripples of your mind, have you noticed, cause ripples in your emotions. You can even start your own ripples. You don't need anybody. Just have one thought and watch your heart open and close based on that thought. And then when your heart opens and closes, watch your thoughts change. Has anyone noticed this? That's why you're supposed to meditate. So that you become conscious enough to see, oh my God, look what I'm living with in there. But what's happening is, when the world unfolds, it drops into your psyche. That's how you should look at it. If you're a conscious being, that's what you see. The world is unfolding. It is coming in through my senses. It then drops into my psyche and causes what in yoga, in the ancient scriptures, they call vrittis, vibrations, waves, ripples. And those ripples manifest as thoughts and they manifest as emotions. There, pretty simple model, isn't it? That's not so complicated. The question is not, does that happen? It does happen. The question is, can you stay there when it happens? Can you be there? If you're sitting there looking at a lake and it's crystal clear, it's totally still, and you love looking at that, and you look at the, the mirror reflection of yourself in it, and some mean guy like me comes by, starts throwing a few rocks in the lake, what's going to happen? It's going to be these ripples. You're not going to be able to see your reflection really well. Okay, that's the truth. That's physics. Now, I want to know what happens to you. Do you freak? Do you start running around? Do you start saying, oh my God, I don't want these ripples in here, and jump into the water to stop them? That would be really intelligent, wouldn't it? Just jump in there and start smoothing them out with your hands. What's that going to do? <laughs> Cause a few more ripples. You're a big rock. Is that what you do? Do you lose it? Or are you able to sit there on the edge of the bank and notice, I wasn't born yesterday. I know what's going to happen. A rock's going to fall into this lake. It's going to cause ripples. I'm okay. I didn't really get weird looking. It just seemed like I got weird looking because of the ripples. In time, if I leave it alone, the ripples will stop and it will go back to a calm state. In other words, I'm okay. It looked like I wasn't okay. Your, your form got really distorted, didn't it? <laughs> okay, but it didn't really. It only appeared to be that way. God, that's such a good analogy. That's why so many of the scriptures use it. So the world has dropped into your psyche. I swear to you, it's exactly the same. You were resting in there, to whatever degree you can, within your relatively okay psyche. And now this event happened. It dropped within your psyche. Your psyche started to make all these ripples. And what did you do? 
just totally freak. I can't handle that. No, that can't be. Oh my God, it's killing me. I'm drowning. I'm melting. All oh, that's going on. When the truth is, nothing's happening to you. Nothing. You're just sitting there looking at a mind that's disturbed. You're not disturbed. Just like when you sit there and look at the lake. It didn't affect you at all. It just affected the lake. It didn't affect you at all. It affected your psyche. It affected the movements of your heart. If you leave it alone, it will come back to its natural state. But we don't leave it alone. What do we do? What do you do when you're not okay? The tendency is to try to do something. There are three things you can do, three levels you can work. One, you can be completely reactive and say, I can't handle this. I can't let that happen again. That's not okay with me that you said this. That's not okay with me that this happened. Not okay with me this person cut me off. So I have to make sure it doesn't happen again. I always think it's humorous because you can't stop what already happened from happening, can you? So that's why it's called reactive. You're not really doing anything good. You're just sitting here saying, I couldn't handle what happened, so I have to make sure it doesn't happen again, and you end up creating so much trouble. You go to the party with your date, with your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your spouse, whatever it is, and you're jealous a little bit. They start dancing with somebody, and you start feeling some jealousy, some insecurity. So the world comes in, you start feeling this jealousy. You could... Just notice, oh, look, there he goes again. Been through it a few times. It'll come, it'll go. Best not to make a scene. Or you could do what most people do, which is I, you don't even have a thought. I can't handle this. I have to stop this. And by the way, you're probably very aware that there's nothing wrong with what's going on now, but who knows where it could go. So now you're creating a mess. (laughs) There's now a storm going on inside of you when all there was was a little wind causing a ripple. Now, if you react based on that, you know, you may lose the relationship. You you may not lose it, but you're going to mess it up. Who knows what you'll do? You may go hit somebody. So one way that you try to deal with it is to stop it from happening. Like I said, you can't stop it from happening. It already happened. So what you do, because you don't know what else to do, is try to make sure it doesn't happen again. It's like an act of protecting yourself. But you will, over time, realize you're not protecting yourself, you're destroying yourself. If you can't handle yourself, you're going to create a mess. If you can't sit there, put your hand on the steering wheel, and deal with your brakes and your gas pedal when somebody's driving in front of you, I don't want you on the road. If you can't stay conscious and stay centered and just freak out and then start turning the wheel over the place... That's what you're doing inside when you can't handle a vibration inside of you. So the beginning of spirituality is to realize that if I'm not paying attention, an event's going to happen to cause disturbance inside, and I'm going to react outside by trying to make sure it doesn't happen again. And that gets very, very messy, because then you get into trying to control the environment around you, trying to control the people around you. That is the biggest disturbance you could ever create, the need to control the world around you. You're not going to control it, but there's this feeling that I have to be able to control it. Why do you have to control it? You have no control over this world. The sun comes up when it comes up. The moon does what it does. The waves do what they do. Your heart does what it does. Your liver does what it does. Write down at any moment how many things are going on in the universe. And then write down what percentage you have any influence over or even notice. It's pretty small, isn't it? And so you sit there and you're defining a world that doesn't reflect reality. What if my solution to my driving problem is that the curves have to be where I expect them and the other drivers have to do exactly what I thought they were going to do? Then I can drive. You're not going to be a very good driver, are you? You have to be able to drive the way it is. You can't just sit there and say, well, why did you drive off the road? Well, the road didn't curve where it should have. No, 
The road curved where it curved. You don't get to decide. Now it's time to turn with your eyes closed. You're going to drive off the road. You can hit people. You can do all kinds of things. I didn't know the light was going to change and that those people would break. If I had known, I would have stopped. No, you don't get to drive like that. You have to deal with reality. You have to be there. I don't care what you thought was going to happen. Pay attention to what is happening. It's the same thing with everything around you. You are not in control. You are not in control. God, I hope that doesn't bother you, or I hope it does. No matter what you do, you're not controlling point oh 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 one percent of the factors that are causing things to happen. And I better add a few more O's. And so you get to the point that everything's teaching you you don't have control. You won't have control. And if what you're doing is defining in your mind the way things need to be in order for you to be okay, you will never be okay. What you will be is stressed because you're trying to make a world that you don't have control over be under your control. So there's another way to try and be okay. The other way is much more rational. The other way is, okay, there's a world out there. It's been out there for billions of years and it's everywhere where I'm not. So why can't I handle it? Why can't I handle reality? That's a really good question. And now you're on a spiritual path. It's called the inner path. Why? Because I'm not out there trying to make it be a certain way for me to be okay. I've caught on that I'm the one who's doing it. Reality is the way it is. What am I going to do? But in here, why can't I handle that sometimes rocks are going to fall into the water? Then they get still. Then they get a little noisy. Are you okay with that? Can you handle that? And the answer is no. Well, maybe that's where your work is. And that becomes your first step, is to step inside and say, yes, my psyche reacts. So now what some people do, and I I think the essence of everything I try to teach you guys, is if I could get you to skip this step, I feel I've done my job. What step? You at least wake up enough to say, you know, it's really true, I can't control the outside. So basically what goes on is the world comes in, it causes these reactions inside, and I used to lose myself in those. So now the second step, which is the one I want you to skip, is if I can control the inside, if I can make it so I don't feel jealous, if I can make it so that I'm not bothered by what he said to me, then I'd be okay, wouldn't I? If it didn't bother me, then I wouldn't be bothered. So how do I do that? And you start all these techniques to try to redefine your psyche. I need to straighten up this psyche so it doesn't do what it's doing. So yes, you will do some stuff to make it easier to live in there. You can rearrange your house, you can change the furniture, you can make it more pleasant. If you have to live in there, why not make it nicer in there? Why make it so that every single thing bothers you? So people drive all kinds of weird ways, don't they? Especially we get to say that because we define the way we drive as the non-weird way. How many things irritate you the way people drive? You go slow in the left lane, you should be in the right lane, you should go at least five miles over the speed limit, what are you doing on the speed limit? Or what are you doing going five miles over the speed limit? Whatever it is, everybody's got a different way of doing it, don't they? And you're judging every way and saying, that's wrong, I'm right. So one way to deal with it is to stop doing that. So let's go quickly through the litany of things you can do to try and straighten out your psyche. One way is just sit there and look at your psyche and say, who said you're right? You're so busy arguing that you're right. And you're going to learn something very, very deep when you look at that. You're not right. You're never right. Never. There's never a single time that your psyche is right. That's how you deal with a psyche. You want to change your psyche? Start right there. The only reason you think you're right is because you think you're right. They're the experiences that you've had. They got left in your mind. Therefore, you judge everything based on your experiences. Don't you? 
How many divorces can somebody go through before there's something wrong with them? It depends on what experiences you've had. If your father or mother got divorced and remarried four times and the fifth one was a winner and it made them the happiest person that ever lived, you don't judge till we get past five. If you were brought up Catholic and everybody stayed together just for the kids and you, they told you that later and you appreciated that your parents stayed together and now they sacrificed so much, then even one's not okay. You are the sum of your learned experiences. You're not, but your psyche is. And that's all that's going on. You're not right. There is no right. It looks right to me. Of course it looks right to you. Those are the experiences you had. If you had somebody else's experiences, it would look wrong to you. But who's willing to see that? That's almost like a measure of someone's spiritual evolution. Do you ever find yourself in a situation where you honestly believe you're right, absolutely right, you're right? Because there is no such situation. There's just based upon your past experiences, this is what it looks like. You have one more experience, one more, and it'll change your whole view. So net is, if you want to work with your psyche, that's what you're going to find. You have to loosen up in there. You can't define the way it's all supposed to be and then judge everything based on that because you're going to get sick and you're going to get everybody around you sick. So instead, you just take a little bit of openness and you realize my mind and my heart are based upon their past experiences and I could have had different experiences. Those are just the ones I had. That's called objectivity. You can change your psyche, but it really means being willing to undercut the cause of your psyche. You can't change your psyche by leaving the causes and then try to rearrange it up top. You'll fight with it every moment of your life. It's like suppression. You have to get underneath to see why is my psyche the way it is. Everybody's psyche is the way it is for the same reason. It was programmed that way. It had past experiences that caused you to think this type of person is nice. I really like thin, tall people. They're really nice. Well, you better wake up and spend a little more time around (laughs) because they ain't any different than anybody else. Blondes have more fun. You better check it out. (laughs) Like there isn't anything like that. It's just past experiences leave impressions upon the mind. And depending on what past experience you have, your mind formulates this whole thing. And someday you're going to understand your mind can't be objective. You can be objective, but your mind cannot be objective because it has nothing to be objective about. Take a computer, fill it with certain data, and then ask it a question. It'll come up with a certain answer, won't it? Don't change the data, but keep asking the question. But ask it from different angles, different ways. You're getting the same answer because that's the only data it has. Change its data, now you get totally different answers no matter how you ask the question. That's how you look at every human being you meet from now on, different data. That's all it is. If I had different data in there, then I might be doing what somebody else did. I might be looking at some other way. So that's, in a nutshell, how you look at rearranging the psyche. You have to undercut the reason your psyche is the way it is. And that's very deep. And the way you undercut it is by not agreeing with what it's saying. So, you know, there's a reason that it feels jealous now. It had past experiences and this sort of thing. If you had a situation where in the past, when you were in high school, you started getting jealous and you were fortunate enough to have a girlfriend or a boyfriend who was conscious, sensitive and caring and worked with you to realize that there's nothing wrong with them dancing with somebody else. In fact, it makes them care more about you because they realize how much they love you because they don't feel the same feeling for somebody else. So they should feel very comfortable when you dance with somebody else. You're very lucky if that happened to you when you were 14. Because now when somebody's dancing with somebody else, you feel comfortable. If you're unfortunate enough that the only experience you ever had is that everybody who danced with somebody else went home with them, then you had the impressions left on top of you 
And that's all it is. It's just learned experiences. So if you want to be more comfortable inside and you want to work on the psyche, you have to stay conscious enough when it reacts to look underneath and see that there are these impressions, we call them some scars. There are the impressions that got left upon you that are causing the psyche to manifest the way it is. Are you willing to let those go? How do you go underneath? When you see the reaction happen, you look deeper. You look deeper to see the programming. Literally, you'll see it as programming that's down there. You have to understand where it came from. You just see there's an underlying energy that is causing the thoughts and feelings to manifest the way they are. And then what do you do? Relax. If you can tolerate those deeper vibrations that got laid down there a long time ago and just let them go, you'll notice your psyche changes. It's just amazing. It starts to like things it didn't like. It starts to not get upset by things it used to get upset by. You can reprogram yourself, but not by pushing on top of it. It doesn't do any good to fight with yourself. It doesn't do any more good to fight with yourself as it does to fight with somebody else. So you have to be able to stay conscious enough to look behind the wind. You look behind the smoke to get to the fire. You can't deal with the smoke. The smoke is your immediate reaction. So enough psyche. If I had my way, you wouldn't spend your life trying to rewrite your psyche. Why? Because there's a much faster way to do this. Do what? Be okay. Remember, this was all about I want to be okay. Something happened, I want to be okay. And what you will find out is the deepest way. This is the deep way. It's not mystical, but it's the deep way. What is that? An event happens outside. It drops the rock into my psyche. The psyche reacts however it was programmed to react. And that's okay with me. What? Repeat that. The world unfolds. It comes in, hits the psyche, and causes the little ripples that it's going to do. What if that's okay with me? Well, then you're free. Remember, the whole thing was about being okay. It's just, what is? The wind blew, my hair moved. What if that's okay with me? In fact, what if it's fun? What, the Bose commercial? Remember the Bose commercial? The hair goes flying back. <laughs> the stereo's so loud, right? What if you like the wind blowing through your hair? Instead of you have to hold it all down, and it's a big stressful condition. What if it's okay with you that somebody says something that causes your heart to hurt? I'm going to get right down to graduate school. What if somebody doesn't come home when they're supposed to, and you get all nervous, and it gets all nervous in there, and gets anxious? But you've been around the block. You've seen it do it millions of times, and you're in the single time yet that it's been a problem except for the problem you caused yourself. Some people freak out. Some don't call in five minutes after they're supposed to. And you start watching this. You start realizing, I'd rather wait to see what really happened instead of what I'm afraid happened. Instead of all my psyche can weave up all the weird stuff that can go in there for 5, 10, 15 minutes. You know what I'm talking about? can do some weird stuff, can't it? And so you learn that I'm going to relax in there. That's what I'm going to do. That's spirituality. That's yoga. That's deep stuff. That's what I'm going to do. Me, not the world. World, relax. It won't listen to you. It hasn't listened to anybody yet. All right? Psyche, stop it. It won't stop. I've tried it. (laughs) Just me, me who noticed the witness, the consciousness, the soul, the Atman, the self, call it whatever you want. Me who's in there and aware that I'm in here, that is aware that he said something that caused him to get scared in there, caused the psyche to react. Me who noticed that, I'm okay with that. But when you're okay with that, you're out. Because the only thing that can happen naturally is the world unfolds. The only thing that happens naturally is the psyche reacts. And if you're okay with that, your burden is light. And that's the only way your burden is going to be light.
And that is where the great masters went. It's that close. Somebody once asked Yogananda, I want to know God. He turned to him and said, He dwells right behind your every thought. Now you're getting mystical. You, the awareness, the consciousness, you're something very great. The fact that you're choosing to struggle with the psyche that is not so great and choosing to struggle with the world because you can't handle the psyche, it gets messy. But you who's in there, you're beautiful. When the Bible said man was made in the image of God, that's what they're talking about. We turn it around sideways and give God two arms, two legs, and a long beard. And then it would have said God was made in the image of man. It doesn't say that. It said man was made in the image of God, which is pure spirit, pure consciousness, pure awareness of being. And so that's what you are. The fact that you're involving yourself in this disturbed psyche and this world that's causing the disturbed psyche to get disturbed, you don't have to. You can relax in there. And that becomes the deepest spiritual path. If you want to be okay, you can be okay. But you have to be okay with what is. You can't be okay by trying to make what is be what you want it to be. Because it will never be that way, therefore you will never be okay. You ask anybody, anybody, I don't care how much money they have, I don't care how successful they are, I don't care how beautiful or handsome or anything, I don't care. They are not getting everything the way they want. They're having just as many problems as you are. So just you get to the point where you realize no one has ever gotten the world the way they want it. And you realize, if I do that, I will not be okay. And I thought the entire purpose, we started in the beginning, I said, have you noticed the world unfolds, you're not okay in there? Right? It's kind of freaky in there. Would you like to do something about it? The answer is yes. We've just talked about three things you can do about it. One does not work at all, which is attempt to control the world to be the way that you are okay. Which if you're not careful, you're going to do that every single moment of your life. You're going to define how you want it to be and then try to make it be that way. And you've never succeeded, nor has anybody else. Oh, for a moment. But it doesn't make you okay, does it? You know how you know it doesn't make you okay? Because you're still doing it. If it worked, it would be over. <laughs> you've been doing it your whole life. So you get to the point where, okay, I'm not going to define the way it needed to be and try to make it be that way. But now it freaks me out when it comes in. But that's because there's something wrong with you. Stop blaming the world. You should be able to handle reality. That's called health. A healthy person can handle reality. Well, guess what? We're not healthy because we can't. <laughs> that's why we're fighting with it to try and make it be the way we can. So instead, you come in and you're welcome to try to work with your psyche. And to an extent, you should. It's easy. There's certain low-hanging fruit there that you can change some of the patterns inside of you by letting them go, realizing they're not rational. Just let them go. It's okay. But give yourself a limit. If somebody's supposed to call you and they're five minutes late, that's called the, the safe limit. I'm not going to get weird for five minutes. Okay? You can get weird for seven minutes if you want. It's your business, right? But just give yourself a little more room. Don't be weird like that. Okay? People's driving. They can drive any way they want as long as they don't hit me or something like that. Just draw yourself a little limit. And then you get a little safe zone instead of freaking out all the time and you'll notice it works. If you sit there and give yourself some room, you'll notice the mind will be okay until it hits the edge. But you're the one who's deciding the edge. So start with five minutes and go to seven, go to ten. Me, I'm going to go to seven million. Why? Because I don't want to be disturbed. I'll still deal with things when they happen, But it's not happening, by definition. I don't know why they didn't call. So until I find out, why am I causing myself all this misery? Make sense? And you start working with yourself. But ultimately, what I really would like to get across is you realize any time you want to be okay, just relax. What? Just relax. What if my heart hurts? Relax. No, no, you don't understand. What if my heart hurts? What if somebody did something or said something? 
and it caused my heart to hurt. Relax. Why would I relax? Because you want to be okay. But your mind won't tell you. Your mind will say, I can't be okay until my heart stops hurting. My heart can't stop hurting until he stops doing this or she stops doing that. Okay, hope you enjoy your heart hurting because that's a long truck. You're basically saying you can't be okay till everybody else be the way you want them to be. You suffer for a long time. What if you understand that the nature of things is that people behave different ways and you had certain concepts and views and sometimes it doesn't match and it caused your heart to hurt? Have you noticed? So is that okay with you? Better be. Why? It's reality. So what does it mean to be okay? You learn to relax. Not tell the world to relax. Not tell your psyche to relax. Not tell your heart to stop hurting. But understand for everything there's a season and a time for every purpose under heaven, including a time that my heart hurts. So I relax, I relax, I relax. What does that mean? There's a place you can go in your heart. It's not hard, especially when it hurts, because it pulls you there. Where if you'll relax instead of fight, start breathing in and out from your heart, where it hurts. Like as if your heart had a nostril. You literally breathe in and out through your heart. You will find it gets relieved. And you keep working with yourself at that level. And you realize you can be okay if you want to be. And since that's what it was all about, being okay, you'll find out that it's an end in and of itself. But what about the world? Don't I have to deal with it? Of course you do. And of course you will. But now you will deal with it from a center of consciousness, of awareness. You won't be reacting because you can't handle it. You'll deal with it from a place that I can handle it. So therefore, let me look and see what's the best way I can do to handle it. Instead of, I can't handle it, so I have to freak out and yell and carry on. And you will do better with every single thing you do. If you will do what I'm talking about, relax first. Relax behind it. Now go deal with it. You come back and tell me. No one's dared to do it yet with me. What percentage of the time that you go back to deal with it, is there nothing to deal with? Somebody said something. Somebody didn't call. You relaxed. Then they called. Or they showed up. Or you realized you were wrong. Your schedule was wrong. <laughs> they weren't supposed to call. How often does that happen? You're going to find out 90% of the time it is you causing yourself trouble. And if you just relaxed, it's gone. It's over. They said something. They didn't say something. Then they're gone. If you can handle it, there's nothing to deal with. If you can't handle it, there's a lot to deal with. But what you're dealing with is your inability to handle it, not them. You see the difference? So if you'll just deal with reality, instead of dealing with the fact that you can't handle reality, it's a whole other world. You'll be dealing with a whole other world, and you will be much better at it. Everything. Relationships, finances, every single thing. How can you not do better if your hands are on the steering wheel and you're driving instead of reacting to the fact that you can't handle your fear? So that is spirituality. There, we got to the bottom. So this is your highest technique. Learn to relax in the face of the disturbance and you will realize that even when your psyche is not okay, you are. And come see me when you reach that state and stay there forever. Because you can. That's what Christ meant by the peace that passes all understanding. I want you to back your way into spirituality. Not think about it and believe in it. I want it to be who you are. And then I want you to notice, oh, that's what he was talking about. Not try to figure out what he was talking about when you couldn't stand a chance because you're freaking out. <laughs> I don't want God to be the thing that because you can't figure out any other way, God will do it for you. I can't handle the world. And I can't handle my reaction to the world. Oh, God, please take care of it for me. 
What are you doing? First, reach the part of your being that is okay in the face of whatever unfolds, because you are always okay. You're in there, and you will not have any problem understanding all the deep teachings of Christ, of Buddha, of all of them, and you will not have any problem in a deep, deep relationship with spirit and with God, because that's who's back there, is you, your soul, that is touching everything deeper. All right, very good. So we can label this on how to be okay. I want you to always be okay. From the moment you wake up in the morning to the moment you go to bed at night, no matter what happens, every moment for the rest of your life. I'm selfish, but I care about you. So what's wrong with that? Now that you know you can be. Jagrative. You've been listening to Attracting Lasting Love with Roy Biancalana. Be sure to subscribe so that you don't miss a single episode. And while you're at it, please leave a rating and review and share it with anyone you think might benefit from listening. Check out our website at coachingwithroy.com and tune in every week for more insights and wisdom on creating healthy, lasting, conscious relationships.